You are listening to HPF's Orange Heart, the podcast. We'll peel back the layers, tell the stories of heroes, tap into the knowledge of experts and humanitarians, educate the public, and protect our children. This is our world. This is the Humanity Preservation Foundation. And this segment starts now. All right, we are officially live. So, or recorded, I should say. Um, do you want to uh, you want to set up where we are? What do you what mean? We're doing? Oh, who's here? Okay, so this is our first podcast um, of the Orange Heart, um, which mirrors the newsletter. And the whole idea behind a podcast is for us to um, communicate with others, um, bring on the people that know the industry, um, some experts. Um, but really, let's talk about real quick just um, the original platform for HPF in itself was for people to come to us and have something to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Um we had no idea at the time that it was going to be in a podcast format. So now we have that opportunity. So that's going to be one right there. And then the other thing was that we always said we wanted to lead people to um, services um, and educate the public. And so that is really going to be one of the core centers of, of this podcast and have people on here that we have the opportunity to um, – tell the story from law enforcement, from the medical um, industry as well, and, um, I don't know, hopefully speak to educators. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it ties directly back to what we wanted to accomplish when we started this, which was highlighting organizations that are out there and that are, that are offering support and, and offering services. And as your guest list starts to grow, as we hopefully identify people that are interested in participating in these conversations you're gonna really highlight the the groups that are out there i think it's a i think it's a it's a good tool for us to have in our toolkit to be able to continue to to just help 100 percent. and we've started to create a list of individuals that we want to have on um i don't necessarily want to go through the names of those individuals but i can tell you that some of them come from the law enforcement side of prosecutors um, and then also I have individuals that are key in the industry of actually educators that go into schools and conduct programs. Um, and then I will mention one um, because you know them so well, and that is um, the uh, Philadelphia Children's Alliance. Fantastic. Um, so I really want to try and get somebody from there to come and speak. And um, we haven't approached them. And we haven't approached anybody yet because um, – as you and I had talked, we wanted to try and come up with who was really going to be mm-hmm. kind of the first person to be interviewed. Mm-hmm. And not to sound narcissistic, but we decided that it would be you and I. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and there's a reason for that um, because... Well, I'm sure all the future guests will be much more interesting. Than... I would hope so. Um, <laughs> and this would be a good way for us to kind of like introduce people to what the podcast actually is start to get our followers Mm -hmm. but really when you think about it um it should be you and i first um because it was you and i that started this Mm -hmm. and i don't think that everybody really knows the story uh, of how that came to be um so i thought it would be a good idea if we kind of like walked through that and yeah um so well i 
I mean, I, for me, it's easy. I, I can give the timeline for myself that um, 2000, obviously 2010 was the Oprah show. So I, I go ahead and I do that. Um, and then it was, there was a good solid two year run. This is terrible wine, by the way. <laughs> Call that out there. Well, before it, you get too deep into this, let's make sure we call out that it's more like house wine. <laughs> it's it's bottom shelf. It wasn't it wasn't planned, like you know. Um, it was it was good. Uh, it was good on the fly wine, but I should have brought my own. <laughs> Next time it's by BYOB to the P O D C A S T. Um, that was a lot. It was a lot. No. Clearly, I haven't had as much wine, so. Excellent. See, that's how you loosen up your guest. Um, so, all right. So 2010, I do the Oprah show. Um, I go a two year run. I'm doing speaking, speaking, speaking. Um, I start to kind of formulate in my head that, okay, there's a need, um, for some sort of advocacy, people speaking. I can see how much, what the impact is as soon as you start talking to somebody. And then right around the time period, we move – I was still working at the Inquirer at the time. We move our office to 801 Market Street, mm-hmm. and you start working with Zach Rivera. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was working with Zach. Man, this is all going to come back in a flood. I <laughs> thought about all this stuff before I came No, back. it's good. It's good because it's on the fly. Yeah, it's going to be fun to talk to. So, yeah, I was working with Zach Rivera, who owned his own printing company. It was 215 Prints, as well as he was launching a, a new sort of niche printing company called We Print EDDM, which was... Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, they were playing off of the service that the post office was actually offering as the post office has tried to reinvent themselves they were finding different services that they could offer besides mail and selling stamps so they had offered this we print eddm service that zach had tied into and so i was working with zach to to sort of sell the print materials and um to basically grow his small business which is funny because coincidentally today is Small Business Saturday. Don't know exactly when this is going to air, but to give everybody some context, we are uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving weekend, and we're a few days from Giving Tuesday. But so I was working with Zach, and um, we had been introduced to each other through one of your coworkers, who Correct. is also my best friend. Right. So Rob's working for me had been since 2008, um, which is now 10 years which is scary. Um, and Rob and I are working in the marketing department for the Inquirer together. He mentions that you're doing this with Zach Rivera. And two days after Christmas is when we have our first meeting about what you have, the services that you have to offer. And we did it at Coco's Bar. Holy cow. How do you remember that? Uh, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly ask, I'm the one drinking wine. Ask my wife. <laughs> Um, about my memory, that's, so that's I really I have a good memory. So, so we had we had met to I was gonna offer some services that that Zach had had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were hoping, at least from my perspective, well, is peek behind the curtain. Um, 
the Inquirer was a very big opportunity for Zach at the time, which was still a, a very small, as I mentioned, very small business to, to get into the Inquirer was going to offer sort of a, a steady stream of revenue for us as a small business because we knew that the Inquirer was constantly going to events. They were constantly printing mailers. They were constantly needing banners printed. There was all of these things we knew that they needed printed and that we were hoping to offer at a competitive price. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know how that meeting ended. I know that I know that it was um, it, it was over lunch, and I went back to the office. And then it was shortly thereafter that I said to you, "Let's meet up again." And we'll go over what I need to order. I came up with a list of the things that I could do. I had no idea what I was doing at that time either. <laughs> this was the first time that I was selling um, print pieces and direct mail and banners. And I had no clue what yeah. I was doing. So there was a little bit of a sale pitch occurring here where I was trying to feign <laughs> the first, being an expert. The first list of things, uh, the, th the first thing that we ordered from you were the pull-up signs. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So we went to, um, you're going to have to help me out because now I don't remember the name of it. Um, it had that speakeasy look. Mm. Um, not Franklin Mortgage. Nope. It was. It was by your apartment. Yeah. It was Emmanuel. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. I, see, that's what I was going to say, but what was the name of the Mexican place then? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, not Cantina Real. Uh -uh. Oh man, best pig wings. Yes. In the city. All right, so you got that. And I can't remember the name of the restaurant. See, I've been living in a whole other state now for almost five years. All right, well, it, it'll come back. Real. That's it. Okay, so so every time I had Emmanuel in my head, I kept saying, "No, that's a Mexican place." Mm -hmm. So, okay, so Emmanuel's, mm -hmm. um, and that's when we sat there, and. I don't know. We quickly went through the inquire stuff, and then you asked me about. You asked me about speaking engagements, mm -hmm. like I. So I guess you're seeing on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I'm posting. I. I mean, I knew I posted, but is that what you were seeing? Yeah, I mean, I. I. I saw that you were doing some interesting stuff, for sure. Um, okay. I had asked Rob to give a little bit of detail, but he really, he didn't have the the knowledge to kind of explain the depth of what you were doing. Okay. So I was definitely curious to hear. Had you already known about the Oprah show, or Rob, was? If you listen to this, saying that you didn't have the depth of knowledge is my subtle way of taking a dig at you. <laughs> well, I'm sure he gave you the overview. <laughs> Very high level, Rob. Um, did you know of the Oprah show, or? I don't think I did. Okay, I don't think you did either, because I, now. I was going into that conversation completely blind. Yeah, because now that I'm thinking back on it. I remember sitting at the bar, and I remember going through like, okay, yeah, this is what I did. It was it was two years ago, um, and then I I don't even remember how that ended that conversation. Um, I know that I had said to you, my goal is to eventually make something out of make a career out of doing that, um, and then. We kind of ended that night. Um, we ended up there again yes. shortly thereafter, mm -hmm. after the order had been placed over those signs. <laughs> um, it was a big order. It was like 10 banners 
Something like that, yeah. Um, and that's when you had said, you know, you were thinking, you know, you had some ideas. Yeah, so I mean, I was at a, I was at a really interesting point in my life. I had just finished up my MBA. I was living in the city. I was working a second job that allowed me to work from home. And so I was at a point in my life where I really wanted to make something. I really wanted to, to build something. And so all of these pieces were starting to fall together for me. And so it was, it was super exciting to see kind of the direction that, that things were starting to trend. You know, yeah. I was really curious. I got started with Zach's business because I loved the fact that he was a small business that I was getting in and, and hopefully growing it. As I said with the, the Inquire pizza business, that was exciting because we knew that it would take us to the next level. And where I was at was all about building something and, and making something. I had this like entrepreneurial energy that I was trying to expend somewhere. Yeah, and um, well, wait, I'll get to that. I'll get to the end part. Um, I, I remember that you had come to the table and you had like, you know, you talked about um, just, hey, I was thinking about some of the things we talked about the last time. Have you ever thought of, you know, I was thinking of this and I can't even remember what they were. And I, we were bouncing off ideas back and forth to one another. And I don't know whether it was in that conversation or the next one, but I remember you saying, what do you think about us taking these ideas that we have and making something out of it? Mm -hmm. And I had said, well, you know, nonprofit would be the way to go. Yeah. And I remember you saying to me, you're like, all right, well, how do you, how do we launch a nonprofit? And I was like, I have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah I, it was funny when, when you had said desire was to start an organization yeah. and, and nonprofit was the direction that you wanted to go. In my head I thought to myself, oh, okay, Rhett has a at least a general idea of how we bring that to life and, and sort of what the next steps were going to be. So when you had said that you had no idea, um, it wasn't scary at all. It was extremely exciting. It was Okay. It was here, let's let's dive in and let's Well you didn't run out of the room, so Right. And I remember saying to you I have no idea, um, but I know people that do. Um, and that's when I had talked to you about Jan mm -hmm. from PCA, mm -hmm. um, that she, I knew that I could go to her and she would be able to help me out. Um, but my previous and was that you had made it very clear that um, there was a humanitarian characteristic about you that you wanted to help others in some way shape or form and um that was something that you were looking for but you just didn't you didn't even know what it was at right. that particular time right. until we were talking and yeah yeah i would say there was a there was a there was a hunger to to make something but it was it was important that i was making something that was going to change people's lives for the better yeah it wasn't going to just be something random yeah it was going to be <clears throat> something good. Yep. So, uh, go ahead. Um, I had a question. I, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to take a, a step back because, um, having the conversation with you at Emmanuel about a 
about your story. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like listening to someone that was struggling. It was listening to someone that was sort of energized by their story and how it was unfolding and, Ooh, and making this is good. a difference. So I guess knowing that the ultimate goal for this podcast is to, to get people to be comfortable to tell their story. Yes, we want to highlight organizations that are out there that are great, but we also want people to be able to tell their story and be not happy is not the word to be um, willing to tell it and to be able to to grow and move forward. So, how did your story tie into everything that you've now done over what has been ten years now? How do you get energy from that? How do you? And this is a deep one, but I feel like we're getting. I no 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 no. It's good. It's good. I, honestly. At this stage of the game, for me, I I don't want to say I don't get anything from my story. Um, I because obviously you do. Um, that's where it all comes from, and you know. But the the energy, and I've said this in almost every single speaking engagement, is it's like a vitamin shot when you are working with somebody. And they get to the point of their story where they're not um, – their testimony becomes more of about success and overcoming than it is about the process and kind of like diving deep and figuring out who they are and what happened. And um, that's really where the energy comes from um, to say, okay – that's how you make a difference. This is where the change comes from. And, um, but you know, I, at that time with you and I, I was riding on the vitamin shot of a coming off of the Oprah show and B having the opportunities that were being laid in front of me, knowing that I really just wanted to make a difference. Um, and I knew that in some way, shape or form I was because I, I was being given these platforms after, you know, one after the next um, and realizing that it was a gift, um, realizing that, you know, I worked for a major newspaper, like a major media group. And, you know, the story is only fresh for so long. And I knew that eventually those opportunities weren't going to be one after the next after the next. So... If you want opportunity, you need to create it. Um, and that was going to be my goal. Um, I had started out with my own website um, and st kind of started there. Um, and that's how I ended up with the first kid that I ever advocated for. Um, but it really was, you know, I guess when I, after I did the Oprah show, there were two things that I said I was going to do. I said that I was going to live my life very full and very public because I wanted people to understand that there was life after disclosure, um, that you really could tell your story and you were going to be okay. And, you know, you might hit a couple bumps in the road, but ultimately at the end of the day, you're okay. The second thing was that I was going to give back in some way, shape or form that I was going to make a difference. Um, and I've always held true to those two goals ever since the day that I got the notice that I was going to be on that show. Um, so then it was just a matter of, you know, I, 
I really didn't have, I didn't know that there was going to be another person involved or anything like that, but it wasn't until when we were sitting there at the bar and we were talking about it and you had ideas and they were great and it was, it was in line with what I wanted to do. So, yeah, no, I, I wanted to ask because the answer is really important to how we were going to get things off of the ground with HPF, because if it was somebody with a similar situation but didn't have the drive and didn't want to be as public as you had i don't think that hpf ever would have had the energy that it needed to jump start and, and get going i wasn't going to i didn't want to i wasn't excited about the opportunity to start something new i was excited about the opportunity to start something with you because i knew that you were so passionate about making it work that no matter what roadblock we ran into or what hurdle came along the way, we were going to find a way to leap it and continue to succeed because failure wasn't an option. We couldn't start something that was going to just stop. Exactly. So. That's a really good point because um, – in staying in line with that, when you have somebody that um, that you want to do, like we do the hero stories, mm-hmm. um, that you know, I, I I've had some that had said, "Hey, listen, if you ever have the opportunity, and, and uh, you know, I'm willing to speak or whatever," you want to have somebody that has that the ability to tell the story um, and not fall apart. Not fall apart telling the story, not fall apart in your, as you were describing, I could have easily just, you know, whatever. I could have been that person that was like not ready to do it or, you know, so um, it's great. That's a really great kind of like, I don't know, it's very parallel to what we do in terms of, um, because the people that we want to bring on, um, that I, I want to mirror what we do with the hero stories. So we want to hear what the story was. This is what happened to me. This is what I did to overcome it, and this is where I'm at now, and this is, you know, this is what worked for me. So, so we have the benefit of having a guest here while we're recording this, and it happens to be my wife, Ooh. Alex, who we just recently got married. I'm gonna call that out because I have to. I'll get in trouble. I won't get in trouble. Um, but having the benefit of a guest. Uh, I think it allows us to ask at this point what questions would you have as a listener about how we got started and what else are you missing as a listener that you you don't get right now? Like what what questions would you have as you're listening to this basically? Totally put you on the spot. (laughs) Um. I guess my first question would be, like, what was your first, like, after your meeting, what was your number one, like, priority? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know that after I met with Jan, um, we knew that we needed some sort of legal advice. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I really think that was kind of, like, the priority. Yeah. Um, so, it was Jan that pointed me to Frank Cervone that... He had he had launched his nonprofit, a, a successful successful one that like um, offers free legal service to people who had been victimized. Um, pro bono, which is a 
Correct. So we started this. And he was the one that said the city of Philadelphia offers um, free local, legal services to people that want to launch like a nonprofit or, um, and so I, I reached out to that individual um, and they said, okay, you need to, you need to come up with a three-year business plan, um, a budget, and I, I forget what else, um, but it, I mean, they rattled off the list and that's really from that from that meeting after I had that meeting, that was when you and I like kicked it into gear and we were meeting on a, a like every night mm -hmm. at his apartment. Um, yeah, I, I mean, seeing that list is when you realize how important it is to have the, the energy that you were yeah mentioning previously because to pull together a business plan is no overnight feat. I mean, it was what a fifteen to twenty page document that. Oh my God! I don't even remember. I honestly, I know that there were spreadsheets, and I mean, you know, and they they made it very clear that it was very, it was a high level budget. Of course, you know, um, the guy. I wish I could remember his name. He was really nice. Um, I remember the organization that we were directed to. Yeah. The Philly Law Works. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and then I, we completed it. I remember when we submitted it. And I don't remember how long it was, but it really wasn't that long. Um, but I do remember, I remember sitting at my desk at the Enquirer. I remember calling you and telling you that we, we qualified because mm -hmm. you have to go through a qualification process. Mm -hmm. And then they assigned us an attorney. Yep. Um, and it was, what was her name? Caroline. Caroline. Yeah. She was, she was working with Philly Law Works. She had come from... Switzerland, and she had relocated to the states. She had been with the organization for close. I want to say eight. Well, she was with a law firm. What the hell was the name of the law firm, though? It wasn't Law Works. Mm -mm. No. no. So Philly Law Works was, um, Philly Law Works was a, um, like conglomerate mm -hmm. of. So here's an attorney from this firm, from this firm, from this firm, from this firm, and they were all kind of pulled together that would then um, farm out and say, okay, we have this, who wants to take this? And and they would, so she had to sell her law firm on doing pro bono work and why it was good and why it was important. And she took on our case because she thought it was... It was Clark Hill. Clark Hill, yep. damn, that was, that's pretty good. How'd you figure that out? Would you look her up on LinkedIn? Yeah, I might have looked her up on LinkedIn. Okay. Hey. But it's funny to dig back in there and see all those emails that we have because they are three, four-page emails of all of the things that we had to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so that's funny because I was going to bring this up that – so, God, I don't even know when – I don't even want, know when to, like, lay this out. But this was a time period where the application process for nonprofit status was way different. Mm -hmm. Um we were actually on the opposite side of the cusp of change. Um, the the list of things that we had to do, um, and that's where one of those questions came in about the airplane. Um, what was would we ever allow somebody to donate an airplane? Uh, and we were like, what? Like so, I just remember it was like this very long, lengthy process, and. 
No, I, I don't even, I, I don't know if we checked yes or no, but I think we said we would welcome an airplane. Um, it was just not necessary at the time. Um, and I always envisioned this orange plane, like Southwest, you see the blue one in the sky. So, um, <laughs> um, so now we're in, it's like winter. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I remember, I do remember taking the subway. From Northern Liberties, um, hopping off at Market Street, walking probably ten blocks, and meeting you at Clark Hill. Yep. And sitting down with Caroline. Yep. Just the the emotions, the the feeling of kind of what we were getting into, walking into this high rise with you know multiple law firms. It wasn't just Clark Hill. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. KPMG might even be in the same building, and it was a, it was a interesting day, to say the least. Yeah. We walked in. They set us up in a conference room, and she came in, and she was just so much energy, so much happiness, and you could tell that she was gonna really help us figure out. That yeah, she had done a lot of like pre-leg work. She provided us with the documentation that we needed, mm-hmm. and at the same time. Um, Kim McCaffrey had reached out to you about nominating me for the NJ Cap Award. Right. And because right. at this point, I had started a new job. Because mm-hmm. um, we went public, we really went public with HPF kind of like in November when, at that speaking engagement. It was November 6th, I think it was, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, it was with. Caroline that we it, it became December was the date right. Um, right. and the paperwork was filed with that the state of Pennsylvania tax correct yeah. um, yeah. right because really you have to do that first before you get your status yeah um, and now um, when were you interviewing to go out to <laughs> because so that started that was that would have been March of 2014. Yeah. 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 Because so March 26th of 2014 is when you, me, and Cheryl go to the award ceremony. Right. And then we come back and we're, we have plans to go to dinner. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're like, I have something I have to tell you. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So I had, uh, I had gotten a job offer to relocate to Wisconsin and it was too good of an offer to pass up on at that point in my career um, so basically I had to drop the bomb on Rhett that I was going to be moving to Wisconsin for the foreseeable future with no end date in mind yep. um, but that I was still 100% wanting to make sure that we could continue to grow this it was just something that I was going to have to do remotely Right, and I remember you saying that you weren't you weren't a hundred percent sure how it was going to work, and um, I just remember calling you the next day because if you remember, that was the Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I know is, or no, 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 I'm sorry, it was a Friday, um, because that Saturday, well, we went out that night. It was a little bit of a rough night because um, I was a little bit bummed out because um, I thought, oh God, this isn't going to work. Um, <laughs> See, that's why he was excited that we had another guest in the room. Um, 
I had my driver's license was, was um, expiring. Oh wow! And I had to go to the DMV, and um, I had to renew my license. And before I left, I was like, I, why couldn't you just be the Midwest division of HPF? Um, and you're like, we could do it. And the only thing you asked me was just give me time to get out there and get settled and get, and I was like, absolutely. Like, you know, I was like, well, I was like, we'll make this work. And within that time period, um, now it's like, we had already started, I started posting for people, mm-hmm. volunteers. Mm-hmm. Our application was filed. You know what? You should probably you, you should <laughs> you should probably talk about we should probably talk about that because that will be I mean that is a testament to the volunteers that we have now. Yeah, that's um, true. It, so yeah, when we, when we started, we knew that we needed help. Yep. And there were some some great people that helped in the early stages. I mean, I think of Jamal. We probably wouldn't be where we are today. And look, I, I'm gonna the talk look about how we look totally. I think Energy and positive, and but you knew Jamal. I knew Jamal. I knew Jamal. So <laughs> That's that was, cheating. That was cheating. <laughs> You're not talking about the other ones. I so say names, but so I mean, we put posts out on Craigslist, and correct? Facebook to start, and there yeah. were some interesting folks that came through. They all, bless their hearts, wanted to do good work, um, but not all of them wanted to sort of roll their sleeves up. One hundred percent. We would go to Starbucks. Yep. And we would meet with these folks. Right on Market Street. We'd interview with them and we'd kind of ask what, what they were passionate about. Why did they want to get involved? And um, a lot of them were very excited to get started. Uh, but we noticed that after we got started, there wasn't much involvement to, to put forward. Yeah. Um, and we had them. I, this sounds really, this sounds worse than it actually is. But we had them long enough to qualify for our 501c status right. because you had to have, had to have five people right to do the documentation yeah. and to apply with the IRS. You had to have five right. But I forgot. I actually forgot the part. Right. So so. Oh my God! I wish I could remember. Um, Caroline had called me on the phone. By this point, it was summertime, mm-hmm. and she said to me, "Listen." They changed the rules, and now there's a, a streamlined application process, and I think you guys qualify for it. Can you come into my office? And I was like, I'll be there. And I went in, um, and yeah, you were gone. Um, and this was this was like – I remember the text message saying, I'm going to Carolyn's office, and I said, you go get them. <laughs> yeah, this was like August. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because I'm out on medical because of my eye surgery that's coming up. 
that's why I was able to go because I was like, how am I able to do this? Um, so I go, we, uh, you pay the fee and you submit it and they're like, okay, you should know in roughly six weeks. And it was a little bit more than six weeks, but it was October um, when we got the letter. Um, and that's when I was, I was reaching out to you and I said, we did it. We are official 501C. And at that point, it was time to kind of like kick it into gear. Um, I had found the other recruitment website, yep. and people were like, we were recruiting them, but we like I, we had nothing to do with. It. They had nothing to do. Like we bring up the, the volunteers and the quality of volunteers that we had prior to getting recognized by the IRS, and you know, as I had left and I'm watching from afar and yep. trying to do paperwork and do little things here and there that I can help with, you know, it was pretty much you running solo for yeah. the months of March through October yep. with a little help here and there. Um, so Zach and um, Courtney mm-hmm. um, at the time. And I, at that, we had already, I had already had people like I talked to, so a, a shout out to Bob, mm-hmm. Bob, Aaron, and Mike W. Um, were all part of that original group. Okay. <laughs> the, OGs. the OGs. The OGs. Um, and um, I remember I, I had interviewed them on the phone. And I said, okay, great. Just hold steady. And God knows how much time went by, but it wasn't until November 8th when we had a meeting here at the house. And that was when uh, I know Bob couldn't make the meeting, and he was all bummed out about that. I was like, "Don't worry about it; we'll figure it out." Bob is such a slacker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then that was kind of. If you want to see, I got a shameless plug here. If you want to see the the raw emotion that is involved with opening a letter from Ooh, the good one. IRS that's going to inform you if you're getting your 501c3 status and if you're actually recognized as a nonprofit organization or if there's more work or more paperwork or more questions that they have i recommend going to our youtube channel and watch the announcement yeah. video to really see everything that goes into actually opening that letter. yeah because i didn't i didn't open the envelope until um i had cheryl and Paige here we had dinner yeah um and i'll just leave it at that and so I didn't even know the answer. I don't know how I did that. I, I would have torn that thing apart now. Like, there's no way. I know I watch it. I still go back and watch it. And it's a, a good one. It was quite the moment, that's for sure. Um, and then here we are. Like, yeah. Um, but I, I did forget the part, though, I, early on stage um, of your grandmother <laughs> donating $100. Mm-hmm. And you and I had to go and open a bank account. <laughs> we didn't even have that yet. Um, so I always remember that. I also remember um, the conversation we had about the logo mm-hmm. and you writing in a notebook. You sketched out hands and a globe mm-hmm. um, kind of reaching up. Um, and that was all we had, and we gave that to Jamal, and he came up with what we have now. Um, and we thought the heart. And um, the other thing was the name. So we haven't had that conversation. You had asked me early on. You was, you were like, well, you know, have you ever thought of a name? And I was like, 
I, I did, um, and I said, I don't want my name in it. Mm-hmm. You remember me telling you that I didn't want my name in it? Um, yeah, because I, I wanted it to be able to hold up on its own, not because it was my name or anything like that. Um, and then I had talked about that I had always in my head the Humanity Preservation Foundation. Um, in retrospect, um, if I had known that we would have email addresses that would have all of that, I probably would have changed my mind. Um, but um, it's, you brought up the, the creation of the logo, and the orange heart was something entirely from Jamal's brain. Totally. And Into yeah. everything that we do now. I mean, the name of this freaking podcast is The Orange Heart. Yeah. And our newsletter is The Orange Heart. And when we talk about sharing an orange heart and what that means, it's it's easy to understand and it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and so just to go back to when he presented it, I just remember you and I looking at each other and saying, that's it. Yep. Like it wasn't even, and I say it all the time, when you know, you know. Um, but the orange heart, it's amazing to me how it has blossomed into what it is. Um, and I certainly hope that it blossoms even more, but here's the reason why is because I feel people get like apprehensive with a red heart because that means love and people get weird about that. Sometimes they're just like, oh, well, it's too soon. It's too much. It's, um, but an orange heart is so neutral. It just simply means being kind um, and a positive energy. And it works under the categories that we have. And um, so I think that's why I fell in love with it, like right in the beginning. So, Can I, can I put you in the spot now? Oh. I have a question okay. for you. And I wrote it down because I thought I would forget. <laughs> so... I guess just in hearing you guys talking, I was just thinking, like, when you're talking about creating HPF, did you talk about what you wanted to do differently or what you wanted to focus on that you think other organizations weren't focusing on? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good really good. Um, I know the first one, right, as soon as as soon as soon you finished saying that question was the marriage between domestic violence, bullying, and child abuse and, like, sexual abuse. Um I, I, I always felt like there was this agency did this one, this agency did that one, and this one did that one. I felt like we were doing something that was a little bit different by bringing all three of them underneath of it. Um, and the only way I – I mean, I, I do sometimes talk about the connection between them, but I always say whenever I do, if you really want a full explanation of that, please ask us to come and speak to you. Um, we would love to do that, but um, there are – there are connective tissues to all of that, that um, it's almost like there's a vicious, vicious cycle that happens. Um, but the other part to that, let's see. I think, well, so there's that. Yeah. And then from a young, hip millennial perspective, um, we wanted to make talking about it okay, but we wanted to make sure that however we communicated was cool. Yep. Was you know, socially acceptable and it didn't feel like a challenge to talk about it, to have these conversations. We wanted, we wanted to give it a, a hip sort of feel to it, which I don't think we're, 
we're fully there yet, but we wanted to make sure that at least everything that we did, the voice that we had it with, the tone that we had, was um, was cool. I think though, um, what makes it cool mm-hmm. is, and it was starting to unfold as we were doing this, was that your generation had no problem mm-hmm. talking about it. And when I say talking about, I'm not talking about stories. I'm just talking about, hey, my my friend has a foundation that, 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 that like, you know, there was no hesitation whatsoever. So I knew it it was very much in line with my goals. And my goal was that if you really want to create the greatest change, you have to start with individuals that are going to be having children. Um, and it certainly wasn't me because I was done. Um, so I knew that if we could target that group, um, as they went out and graduated high school, went out into the business community, started to evolve in, in life coming of age, that they would be not only supportive of what we were doing, but they would be knowledge because we were doing it. And I felt like we were bringing two groups together, um, that would create change, um, the other thing too, and 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 this is one of the things. Well, I don't really talk anymore to, about recruitment to, to people recruiting, but we talk to people. Um, we wanted volunteerism to be fun and engaging, but simple. Um, that I hadn't seen um, the finger on the pulse of technology wasn't really there. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was. We wanted to make sure that it was an opportunity to not only make a difference but also learn something that you were interested in learning about you know if it yeah. was uh if you were a graphic designer and you wanted to hone a skill kind of forgot about that involved in graphic design you know we said you're perfect for this take this project and learn everything you need to learn utilize it and if you part ways with the organization that's okay because we're happy to help in sort of this work and development yeah. we saw we saw and still see lots of... Oh, uh, look at Peter. We had as an intern that really helped us pull together our website at one yep. point. And, um, <laughs> Which, by the way, we forgot to mention, working with Zach allowed us to get our first website. As I was working oh, with God, I forgot all about that. Prince, Zach offered uh, free service to actually build our first website. So I think that, uh, you know, I know we're kind of like hopping back and forth, but... That's what was starting to happen is that we were having these conversations with individuals and we were like, we were tapping into the people that had some sort of knowledge in. So Zach knew website and Jamal knew graphic design and this one knew, you know, and as we would kind of tell them what we were doing, they were like, we're in, like, we'll do it. Um, And that's kind of how we just evolved. Um, And continue to grow more specialized sort of skill sets coming forward as we've as we've grown year over year we're seeing you know more and more people that are smarter than we are doing great things for the organization um and now when you when you when you look back this see that's why this is a great conversation because um we had no process um there was no onboarding, no paperwork, um, and now there is. And so, Thanks, Bob. <laughs> exactly. So your question about like what did you guys want to do different? Um, 
we want it in unstructured structure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that we're there uh, yeah, with that. I think so too. Um, yeah. The other thing too, um, it's and. Funny that- versus you who was totally cool with just flying by the seat of our pants i would say that it kept me up multiple yeah nights i not having a packet that we could hand somebody if they came on board but i mean to your credit it's worked I, yeah i mean and it's funny because well now i say i'm type b minus but i was more type a um where everything had to be so and you know but now like i I realized that you you'll figure it out. Right. Like, um, what is it? Devil's in the detail. Yeah. Like, and and you you wind up tr- kind of tripping over yourself. And I feel like we've been organic in the process. Um, but I don't know. Our recruitment is so different now. And um, but the other thing, the other part of her question that I want to address is um, technology, because I think it was that mindset that took us to Pulse. Um, because there's just not a lot that's not a lot that's out there. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'm wondering if we should pause before we get into almost everything that happened this year. Agreed. I like that idea because I I was like, well, how are we going to talk about OTA? But there's one thing that I, I definitely wanted to bring up was, um, in the circle of nonprofits under these categories, I always kind of felt that um, there's a competitive nature against other nonprofits um, because you're all going after the same dollar. Um, and a lot of them are all going after the same opportunity. They want to kind of like be the one. Right. Um, and I, it took a while for people to realize that our goal wasn't to do do what they were doing. Our goal was to highlight what they were doing yeah. and to bring them into, you know, oh, hey, there's this agency that does X, Y, and Z, and they do it really well. And there's this one over here that knows this. Mm-hmm. And that did not exist. Yeah. Um, there was never in it – there's never been somebody to advise of service. Um and I know that from my own personal story yeah. that when – and that was my frustration through my process was that I couldn't – I had to figure it all out on my own. There was nobody to say, well, where do you go for this or where do you go for that or, you know. Um, and the line that we say all the time is that the abuse is hard enough. The healing process shouldn't be, like, to find service. So um, I think now – after the orange tie affair, which we'll talk about, um, I think people are starting to realize, and and that's I hope that this podcast does that is as we bring these people on board to kind of like tell us what do you do, what is where are you located, what is your service. That is really um, yeah. key for me um, for people to understand we're not in competition. Like we want to highlight you. So there's a lot of small people out there that are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a better way to level set just the, the technology that's involved. With that's good. Because there's organizations out there that they're building apps, they're building resources, they're building websites that, that showcase resources. And there's not the, the technology is it's great to continue to be innovative and, and at the forefront as we're trying to make things as easy as possible for everybody. But the, the, 
the big piece that went into Pulse was exactly what you just said, was highlighting the organizations that are out there, showcasing the organizations that are offering these services and that are able to provide help, to provide uh, a guiding light. That's what we wanted Pulse to do. We wanted you to be able to go to one location, find the type of service that you were looking for, whether it was for domestic violence, whether it was for sexual abuse, whether it was for bullying and harassment, we wanted it in one spot so you didn't have to go spend a ton of time searching the internet, calling different hotlines. We are doing that work for you to make you as comfortable as possible to be able to get the help that you need and, and talk to the right people and know that it's in a, a trusted location. You know, the fact that it's now able to be on your phone, the fact that you're able to potentially have it out there in a, in a place that's easily accessible but possibly hidden from your uh, perhaps abuser. I mean, it's in a mm -hmm. spot where you can comfortably go and, and find the help that you need. That's the exciting part. The fact that it's a tech savvy, you know, that's just, that's a byproduct. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I mean, that is kind of like the thing, like, it's, I don't want to say noise, but that's the thing that just people are like, okay, yeah, you know, but um, the substance behind it, obviously, is more important. Um, um, and as that grows, um, yeah, I just think that it's going to be phenomenal for, for others and um, a way to handle and help out broad scale. So um, let's talk about this past year. Yeah. Because really, let's talk about 52 weeks because mm -hmm. there's there's a reason why I say it. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 2018 is pretty, really the yeah. year. Um, so back up real quick. 2017, we had said that we need to come up with somewhere between three and six events that are going to be ours. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately for us, we had always been the, the recipient of other people's efforts. The Rotary Clubs, the Comedy Club, TGI Fridays, we were the, you know, the individual that they were raising money for. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't always last, and they're always one-offs. You're never, you know, you rightfully so, you're never really going to be that again. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kind of started, I, we, we had a list. We had had it for a while. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about softball games. Um, Talked about tennis tournaments, um, golf outings, um, and one of the things that was on the list was a formal gala um, that was, I, I think I had come up and said, well, it needs to be like, you know, instead of a black tie, an orange tie, like how cool would that be? Yeah. Um, and we were going to do it in February mm -hmm. was going to be the month. Um, and it wasn't until Wendy. And the reason we wanted to do February yeah. was because we were going to play off of Valentine's Day. Yep. And that not all hearts are red. Yep. That there's orange hearts out there. Well. Yeah. Um, which now, orange heart, Valentine's Day is like a, that's like a huge push for sponsorship right. when we when we do this thing. Right. Um, but 
Wendy, who was an individual that, you know, what I went to high school with, wanted to do something for us. And she was going to do kind of like a solo concert. And she secured the Camden Aquarium. She was going to have it. Mm-hmm. And this is crazy. It is crazy. Um, to think you're hosting an event. Yeah, and she was like, we, you know, she's like, I, I could probably get a couple of items and we could do like an auction. And um, I was like, wow, that's great. Sounds good. And um, and then her event kind of was looking like what our event was going to look like. Um, and then we had a marriage. That's right. That's right. She was, oh my goodness. She had a, that's, yeah. Yeah. So she was planning a music event. Yeah. She, for, it was just going to be her. For the month of April. Yep. Which was Child Abuse Awareness Month, yep. um, and I thought that that was cool. Yeah. Um, and then um, Bob and I sat down and we met with her and we were like, "Listen, you know, we don't want to step on your toes, um, but how would you feel if we brought the two together?" Yeah. And so, um, I will let you all know that obviously it worked, um, and Wendy is now a board member and. Um, we it was huge. I mean, that was a moment for us. It sure was. Um, yeah, it's so. You think about twenty eighteen, in general, and everything that we did this year. I mean, planned our first large scale gala. Mm-hmm. Launched a new website. Yep. Launched Pulse. Yep. Mobile friendly versions. Yes. You know, bruise. Bruise against bruises. Bruise against bruises. Um, you also forgot in February we did the um, the bullying event for um, Black Panther. Yep, the movie. Um, and it's all. It wasn't a challenge. It was a challenge, but to be in a place where you're able to come out of each event and say next. Yes. And be ready to tackle what's coming next and to have the team and the support there to where it's it's a well-oiled machine yeah is is mind-boggling i i was on the way over here i was thinking about all that we did this year and if you told me in 2015 that we were going to do all of this stuff (laughs) i would have laughed at you i would have said you're out of your mind there's no chance we're going to be able to pull all of that together and do it all in one year. Bruise against bruises and the Orange Tie Affair were like five years apart in my head. Yeah. We would do one and then we would wait five years and we would do another. Mm-hmm. And we did two of them. Uh, uh, unreal. That is a testament to our team. Uh, it really is. I mean, um, I've had this conversation with Bob um, and Bob comes back and says to me all the time, he's like, well, that's a testament to the leadership between you and buddy and i like you know i'm like all right well listen i'll meet you somewhere in the middle because you know it's true if you can't drive the train there's going to be an issue um but you've also got to have a whole team of people um and that was very evident at the orange tie affair um well i mean and you see how much we did <laughs> when it was just you and I in 2014 True. versus the team we had True. in the finals. But. Um, but I think, you know, when you look back mm-hmm. and you 
look at the things that we have done, both in startup and existing right now, that we never have really ever fully known exactly what we were doing. Mm -hmm. We kind of just like hold our nose and jump into the deep end mm -hmm. and figure it out. Um, and I think that that is what we do. Um, even for those that are a victim Agreed. is to figure it out. Right. Um, here are materials for you. Here's where you go. Um, and as we come up to 2019, second orange tie affair, yep. um, the really official relaunch of the website has just commenced. Um, another Giving Tuesday that's about to happen, yep. um, which let's talk about our Giving Tuesday four, to eight, four years ago. Um, it was we. I. I don't think we had. I don't think we had anybody give anything. <laughs> No, it was just kind of like a, oh, yeah, here we are. Um, we partnered with an organization. I forget the name of it. They posted on their social media. God, who the hell? It, they said, support Humanity Preservation Foundation for I forgot about that. reasons X, Y, and yeah. Z. And we were ecstatic because that organization had 500 followers on their Facebook page. And to have an organization that had 500 followers support us yeah it was mind-blowing yeah and now you look at us and we're almost at a thousand followers <laughs> that's amazing yeah um you just brought something i had just have to kind of talk about our first um media campaign that we put out i think we had 126 views mm -hmm. um i was just looking at one of the ones that we re-put out there and it had um 7,500 views yeah. um it's, it's something else to see the growth yeah um, we're headed in a good direction. It's a really good direction. Um, and I think that we're going to be in a really good place for 2019. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some great things planned. I can't wait to bring more people on board with our podcast. Um, and I don't know. I think we've just got some really great people that are ready to, you know. Uh, we didn't, I, this is a really good way of explaining it, is that, we didn't plan on really going hard for 2019's OTA until January, mm -hmm. and we've already, there's uh, our, our team has already started. Yeah. Uh, I think they started before we even were like yeah. launching, so. There's auction items, there's ticket sales, there's. It's unreal. Yeah, so. I think that's a pretty solid, when did we start this? Like, yeah, we're at, we're at one hour. Hour of how we became what we are today and the vision that we've had. Unless you had anything else you wanted to highlight about the organization mm -mm. itself. Nope. I've got some questions that I'd like to dive into. Fire, fire away. So there's a lot going on Ooh. in pop culture. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on in the world today with abuse and it's sort of at the forefront of a lot of conversations. My question to you, do you think the world is in a better place today with all that you see going on? Or do you think that it's making things worse? Um, I think it's in a better place. And you aren't the first person that has asked me that. Um, and the reason why I say that is um, 
because people are talking. Um, and even if they're arguing, um, and, and there's a lot of that, um, it's a dialogue Debate. that has not taken place because these the subject matter that we deal with has been locked in Pandora's box. Mm. Um, the reason why it's so like polarized and people are like so you know um, on edge and and you hear about it is because we've spent more time silent than we have speaking um, and when you're not familiar with the dialogue um, that is what makes conversations very very hard um, and the best analogy I can come up with is that if I plucked you out of here and I stuck you into a foreign country that you didn't know the language and you were trying to figure out where to go or what to do or something. And, and you see it all the time. When you're talking to somebody that is not understanding what you're saying, you tend to get louder and you get more passionate and your arms start going in directions and you're saying, no, I'm saying I, I want to go here. Or like um, that's what's happening right now. That's why you're seeing it the way that it is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I was trying to think of any other things I wanted to ask you. And what I kept coming back to was, you know, would I want to raise kids in today's environment? Would, would I be comfortable seeing all that's happening? And I think I would be. I think the dialogue's out there, and to your point, it's important. Mm -hmm. And it's great that people are now talking about it, and they're comfortable talking about it. And I don't know, I, I guess what... If you were raising kids today, what concerns would you have? Um, well, I would have a concern for something that we don't cover in our area, and that is um, violence in schools um, with, with guns and all. Um, and, and that is something that's really scary. Um, but in terms of um, the areas that we do cover, um, I, you know... It's very that's a hard question for me to answer only because I've already I've served my time um, and I say that in a way that is positive yeah um, but it was very hard um, even back when we were raising little kids um, it's definitely challenging now but I feel like um, my perspective is a little bit different because I'm I'm, I'm kind of educated on it um, and I feel like you saying that you would be comfortable is because you're educated on it. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like therein lies our mission right. is to continue to just educate. Um, because once you're full, filled with knowledge, you have the power to make that happen. So I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question whether I would feel comfortable. I, I, I would. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like... I'm even more knowledge now than I was when I was raising kids. Yeah. So yeah, I think I guess you make a good point because I'm so close to it and because I'm so involved with what we do, I'm not concerned because I can have a conversation with my future kids and hopefully help them sort of navigate challenging years as they're growing up. But if I'm somebody that's not as close to the organization, and I'm not as educated. What's my comfort level with having kids? Right. I don't. I can't answer that because obviously I don't know. Exactly. Or, um, the household that is raising kids and and it's filled with violence. Yeah. 
I mean, what what do they know right. other than that? Um, so that's kind of like where and why we're here. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like the conversations are happening. Um, when a teacher invites us in to speak, mm-hmm. that's when I know that things are better. Yeah. Um, because, and I, I will go to my grave saying this, that there is not, never a day or a doubt in my mind that had somebody come into my school when I was in the thick of everything, mm-hmm. that my life would have changed. Yeah. Um, because I would have heard something that I, I, didn't, I didn't hear then that this was not okay or this is what you do or, you know. Right. Um, there was no Me Too movement. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. You just you just didn't talk about it. Right. Um, it was really all about, like, yeah. strangers. and um, but, but I don't know. It was definitely a different world. And um, so when I, when I hear a teacher reach out to us and they're like, hey, you know, I'm looking for somebody to come in and da-da-da, mm-hmm. I not only applaud them yeah. – um, because I know what they went through to get that person to come in there and speak in the school. Um, but I know that the opportunity is to make a difference for the future mm-hmm. because the difference is being made in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's what's changing. What else you got on your list? Well, no, I think uh, <laughs> listeners at least let us tell us if you'd be comfortable. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Would you be okay raising kids in today's day and age? How do you approach it, or how would you approach it? Maybe that's a better question. Yeah, uh, how do you approach it right now? Yeah. Um, and I, this is this is a great forum to to go on record and say that you know everything that took place in Hollywood, um, mm-hmm. that is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I mean, there'll be so much more of that. Um, the music industry is another one um, that. You know, there's been a lot that has gone on, um, and then you also have the um, the Cosby hearing that was very polarized, um, and you will start to see more of them, um, as well as the Catholic Church, um, which you know I only say Catholic Church as a reference point because that's kind of what is current right now, um, but there are like five or six other states that are currently going on right now doing their deep dive. Um, and I look forward to the opportunity for us to kind of be part of it to help others and to be part of telling the story. I will add, maybe play a little bit of devil's advocate here, but I wanted to just share what I was thinking on the flight over. We were sitting on a plane. I was thinking about everything that I was hoping to talk about today because there was a lot. And, um, one thing I wanted to say was just, you know, on a personal level, oh God. I've become, <laughs> probably not where you think it's going, I've become addicted to playing the game of golf. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an addiction that's probably unhealthy. Alex would probably agree with that. But I realized why I've become addicted to golf, aside from the fact that it's a challenging game, it's a fun game, you're trying to battle the elements and battle the course and there's that whole aspect of it the reason that I like it is because I'm getting out there and I'm most of the time interacting with strangers and I'm having conversations with people that 
I may end up jumping into their foursome. I may end up catching up to them or I may meet them in the clubhouse. And we're sitting down and we're talking either about the game, we're talking about what we do in our lives, we're just having general conversations. And I realized and realized the reason that I love that is because I used to do that on airplanes. I used to sit on a plane and I used to sit next to a stranger and I'd have a conversation with them about what it is that they do, who they are as a person, what are they passionate about. You don't do that now on airplanes. If you sit next to someone on an airplane and you try to talk to them, they either put their headphones on or they give you a weird look and they don't want to talk to you. Yeah. So I tied golf in because I wanted to, but also because I'm getting that, that fix of those conversations because when you're on a golf course, your phone's away. When you're, when you're on a golf course, you're focused on playing the game and, and getting a text from someone else. Whereas when you're on a plane, you're distracted and you just want to get where you're going. So yeah. It's a change that I've seen. Yeah, the interaction is elbows in the middle arm thing, exactly. and that's it. Wow, okay. So that's why I, that stemmed the question of would you be comfortable raising kids in this day and age? Is that something you ask when you're on the golf course to people? <laughs> I might start now. I don't know. I, I think you might be onto something. Might, hey, let me ask you something. Right. If they say no, then it's like, okay, well, help us make that change and donate. Yeah. If they say yes, great, then we want to share your vision, help donate, and, you know, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. So it's got, it's got great potential. So, <laughs> um, But it's scary if you think about it. If the only place that I'm getting that conversation is a golf course. Because we move really quick, but I, I think that's where um, I think that's where technology comes in for us. Mm-hmm. Um, because our platforms to communicate mm-hmm. are the things that people use to distract themselves right now. Mm-hmm. Their phone, podcasts. Um, so um, for 2019, I know that it's a huge focus for us to um, have more speaking events um, to get out into the business community. Um, I think that will help communicate that a little bit more. But you're absolutely right. Um that interaction of one-on-one does not happen yeah. in this world on that subject matter, no, no less. Like you get the opportunity to say, oh, hey, you know, I'm executive director of a nonprofit. Oh, what's the nonprofit? Oh, what do you do? Oh, you know, so, um, yeah. Huh. Very interesting. It was a great perspective. What other questions? I love it. It's like, I guess, uh, what's your favorite piece of the, advocacy work that you do uh speaking in a school yeah 100 percent um because if hope is ever if you need a definition for hope um it's sitting in front of you when you have 30 sets of eyeballs looking at you and listening to what you have to say Hmm. um when the first year that I spoke at the Palumbo school and I went through my story and there were kids as they were leaving, Mm -hmm. either shaking my hand or high-fiving me and saying, you know, um, I'm so sorry that you went through that. Some of them with tears in their eyes. Um, You, change happens when you have empathy. Mm 
Mm -hmm. um, and in that moment, that's when you know that you have the option, uh, the opportunity that you've tapped into something that is beyond um, anything that you can imagine. I think one of the things that I always loved hearing you say when we either meet up after one of these engagements or we, we chat quickly for five minutes just to kind of hear how it went, I loved it when you said you knew that someone was going through something by how they approached you and sort of their their reaction to what you had to say when you were there. And that was, that's fucking powerful. I mean, yeah. to, to go in somewhere and, and say that and come out of it and know that hopefully you're going to leave and that child is going to realize they're going through something and they can go and talk to somebody about it. Yeah, and you know, um, that never became more clear to me than speaking the first time in the Barnegat School to the entire school board, like the entire school population. Um, and then the following year, um, being there and watching a 17-year-old girl come up and speak and tell her story. Wow. Um, and the reason why she's able to do that is because she was able to see you do that. Yeah. Like that, that is what, if there's ever been a motivator, mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, let's, let's be honest. There, there's a lot of paperwork with a nonprofit. Um, there's letter writing and this and that, and it's a drag. Um, but that is really what, uh, it's just like the cherry on the top. Totally vitamin shot. So, um, I uh, let me ask you something that what what was the number one driving factor for you to want to continue to do this? And I know you talked about just you wanted to build something and all, but like as you got into the thick of it there were a couple of times where you were wide eyed. Mm -hmm. Um, and do you remember those moments? Like I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I think there's, there's two reasons. Okay. The first one, which is really simple and it just comes from like my background of wanting to grow a business and sort of all the homework I did and, and wanting to grow something. I always knew that the ones that were successful were the organizations that made it past the five year benchmark. Okay. I always knew that was that was a line in the sand that we had to cross. We had to get past that five years, and I knew that if we got past the five years, which I think we we did, just surpassed. Yeah, we just did it. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's coming, coming up. up. It's coming up in I don't know, it's December twelfth is the official date. Right. So we'll go with that. Right. Yeah. So seeing the direction we're heading as we are approaching that five-year mark has validated a lot for me but the bigger piece is I think the one that you were trying to get at is seeing the impact that we have and the changes that we're making I mean to see someone like Tristan come over and spend time with us and explore and learn and go to speaking engagements with you and share really valuable time to see that and to, to see the, 
the posts that he put out there on his own, thanking the organization, and thanking yeah. you and, and, yeah. and Cheryl for hosting him here. Yep. Um, to see that kind of stuff is, is really eye-opening. To, to hear the difference it makes when you hand a book, a piece of literature to someone, and, and you're making a difference there. To, to read the hero stories and to dive into what those people are experiencing through their own words is incredible. I mean, it's something that I never even thought of before we met. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even on my mind. I mean, I wanted to make a difference, but right. I didn't know how big of a challenge was actually out there until diving into this. And so, yeah, to to answer your question, I mean, that's that's the fuel that kept me going was to you know make a make that a was exactly what I, that's exactly what I was looking for um, because. You know, you come up with the idea, you launch, you this, like, you know, you, you want that entrepreneurial thing. I always had that too. Um, but there has to be something in the process that, you know, keeps it alive. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's incredible. So it helps that it's fun too. It helps that it's a, it's not, I never join a call on a Tuesday night with the team and say to myself, shit, I got to give up two hours of my Tuesday night. Right. It's always exciting. Yeah. It's always, it's always like, let's see where this goes for the next two hours and what's going to come out of it. And yeah. To always text you after those calls are finished mm. and say, wow, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, because there's some that are routine, right? you know, just whatever. Um, but, the ones where it's like just a popcorn of ideas and, and initiatives and um, ownership happens um, where it's like, I'll take that and this one. And I just, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. And I don't know. It always keeps me going. I, I, I'm with you on the Tuesday thing um, where you're like, okay, we're going to do our meeting, you know. Um, I also love, too, that, um, you know, some people can't make it to the meeting. Mm -hmm. And I love it after I get a message from somebody that they have listened to the recording. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I'm i in for this. Or, you know, yeah. wow, I heard what you got. I didn't know. And, you know, whatever. So I think those are the moments. So Yeah, for sure. Um, we're coming up on 90 minutes. Wow. Um I know, right? It went fast, didn't it? Um, and hopefully people are listening um, all the way up until this point. Yeah. Um, so I think that our goal is to do this at least once a month to have something that we can put out there. Um, I, I will tell you, and this will be like my last words, and then I'll let you go, um, that for me, um, and you know that I live from – a very high level of gratitude um, because of just everything, you know, but if I can just take you to a place for myself that, you know, towards the end of what was happening to me as a kid, um, there were moments where it started to get violent. Mm -hmm. um, and so to be in that moment 
to sitting here in my living room with you doing a podcast is phenomenal. Um, it's, I don't even think that gratitude can like make that descriptive enough. Um, especially with it being two days after Thanksgiving and two days before giving Tuesday, um, things happen by chance. Um, and this, us coming together, I mean, because let's face it, you're in Wisconsin. Um, this happened for a reason right. um, to do this podcast, to do this recording during this time period. Um, it, no wonder I go to bed every night and put my head on the pillow and say thank you. Mm -hmm. So that's my final word for this. So I'll let I'll turn it over to you. <laughs> I don't know if I can follow that. <laughs> <laughs> you go. No, I mean, I think you. couple of weeks when this came to fruition of we got the opportunity to sit down put this podcast together and share a story that some people have heard bits and pieces of yeah but they didn't get the, the full depth of it and i think we even you know as we go back and listen to this i think we're going to laugh at how much we struggled to to piece together the timeline because so much happened in such a short amount of time and it's so crazy to think about not only it happened, but it happened in the middle of me leaving <laughs> <laughs> and moving halfway across the country. And you're right. I mean, everything that's happened has happened at such a weird time and such a weird moment. And it just is, continues to, to blow me away um, to see how it continues to fall in place. And, you know, I said next by the 30-minute mark. We didn't highlight on the fact that every time we did something, we always ended that accomplishment with the word next. And it meant, let's see where it goes. Let's see what happens next. Right. Did that. Yep. Checked it off the box. We're moving on to the next thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, to get to the, the thankful part and the fact that it falls two days after Thanksgiving, I mean, I can't be thankful enough to have something in my life that spurs passion and that spurs excitement and that that makes me want to do something better for society and to be able to help you achieve a personal goal mm. has been uh has been something else that's awesome yeah um i know i said i wasn't going to say anything else but you, you sparked a thought, um, and that was, um, and it's neat because you're both here, um, that uh, this one here incorporates it into our vows. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is a moment right there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, I don't know. And this one is the one that lives in Wisconsin. And <laughs> I know. So, it's, uh, it's a blessing. And, you know, so I'm going to say thank you. Um, I'm going to say thank you to her. And because I know that, you know, you have to have somebody that's a strong partner um, for this. I do. Um, and so I know what it takes. And, you know, there's always somebody taking a piece of him. Um, 
and that's what happens with nonprofit. Um, but you know, so we are almost at 90 minutes. I'm going to let you say the word, um, because we're coming to the end and, and you brought it up. You, it's, it, you should say it as we're, as we close this out and go ahead, do it next. See you later.